or church weekend. I'm a big fan of Globe Church, and it's great to spend time with you. Um, I directed your first ever Mark drama quite a lot of years ago now. There are some people here who were in that Mark drama, and it's great to see them again. I hope I get a chance to chat to you uh, this weekend. Um, but I'm really, and I'm sort of, I've always been very glad that I know the Alcock family. Um, Dante's father is one of my best friends. We meet up every week to talk and pray together. So I get lots of uh, inside information about Globe Church that way as well, which is very good. Um, and please come up and talk to me and invite me to um, join you for a meal or something like that because I don't know many people here um, and I'm actually much more friendly than I look. So that would be great if you did that. Great. I hope you've found 2 Corinthians 1 now. Um, just to say... The theme uh, this weekend is experiencing God. Uh, we're probably nearly all of us, probably all of us, we're believers in Jesus. We've turned from our sins, we put our trust in Jesus, we believe he died on the cross for our sins and rose again. Hallelujah. We're forgiven because of what he did. Wow. Isn't it great to be a Christian? But sometimes if you're anything like me, and of course you're sitting there thinking, I hope I'm nothing like him. If you're anything like me, sometimes your heart is cold. Sometimes God feels very distant. Sometimes you think, well, it, I'm just going through the motions here. I still believe this stuff. The gospel's true, but I'm not experiencing God in my life. It happens to all of us sometimes. And my prayer for me and for all of us is that we will be experiencing God again this weekend as we worship, as we spend time with one another uh, and as we spend time in God's word. So that's what it's about, experiencing God. Let's pray together as we come to 2 Corinthians 1. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to do in these four sessions, uh, three sessions today, one session tomorrow, we're going to look at four different people from the Bible, and we're going to see them in different situations experiencing God. And we're going backwards through the Bible. We've got Paul now, then after the break we've got Mary Magdalene, then this evening we've got David, and then tomorrow morning we've got Moses. And so we're looking at 2 Corinthians 1 this morning, the first half of it. And the title, when we're looking at Paul, is Experiencing God When It's All Too Much. Experiencing God When It's All Too Much. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. There were people in, uh, Paul had been there had, and had, had been preaching when, when the, the church in Corinth came into being. He'd preached the gospel there. But there were people around in the church in Corinth who were false teachers, who were saying, well, basically saying bad things about Paul, saying that he's a, he's a weakling. You shouldn't listen to Paul. We should listen to us. And Paul's writing that letter, this letter in that context. And he does three things at the beginning of the letter which I think are really important. Have a look down at verse 1. First of all, he says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's saying to them, I've been chosen by Jesus to pass on his message to the world. I'm an apostle. And he says, I didn't, I didn't apply for that job. 
I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, verse 1. In other words, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, and the Holy Spirit is saying to us, this is the word of God. This is God speaking through this letter. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit. Second thing Paul does at the beginning of the letter is he reminds them how much he loves them. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants the best for them. He's praying that God will bless them. And the third thing he does at the beginning of this letter is he talks about his weakness. He says, I am weak, but I've experienced God in my weakness. And so these first verses, this first section, verse 3 to verse 11, that's the passage we're going to look at, it's about suffering in Paul's life and suffering in our lives. So let's look at this together. Uh, I want to encourage you to do two things at once in the next few minutes. While you're listening and reading, please also be talking to the Lord. So when you read something or hear something, you think, wow, that's great. Say, thank you, Lord. Be talk talking to the Lord. I mean, not just, Father, stop him. <laughs> that was a guilty laugh. But, Father, I want to experience you. You can be talking to the Lord now. I can be talking to the Lord now while I talk to you. Just lift your heart. Let's fill this place with worship. Let's not stop worshipping because we've stopped singing. Okay, come with me into this passage. I'm dividing it into two halves the way the NIV has. Firstly, in verses 3 to 7, the truth about suffering. The truth about suffering. And there are three things to pick out here. The truth about suffering. First of all, we all suffer. Look at verse 4. God comforts us in all our troubles. We, we, we suffer. We struggle. I mean, everybody struggles. Everybody suffers in the world. But this is specifically talking to Christians here. Uh, sometimes there's a sort of suffering that ha comes because we're Christians. People, people, maybe our friends, maybe laugh at us because we believe in Jesus, because we're involved in a church. Um, around the world, there's much bigger problems than that, persecution. But all, all of us suffer. A look at the beginning of verse 5. Just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we all suffer. And some of us are suffering here at the moment. Uh, it may be because of the way your family think about your faith, but it may be other things. It may be loneliness. It may be fear of the future. It may be anxiety. It may be illness. It may be concern about your family. It may be thinking, am I ever going to find someone to marry me? If you're not at the moment, I mean, some of us are sitting here thinking, oh, well, I can think exactly what that is for me, what my struggle area is. Um, others of us can't think of anything specific, but there'll be something that will pop up. In 2024, all of us will suffer. All of us have struggles sometimes, don't we? I don't think I'm the only one. We all suffer. Secondly, God comforts us. Look at verse 4 again. 
God comforts us in all our troubles. Now there's the statement, God comforts us in all our troubles. Notice it doesn't say in some of our troubles, it says in all our troubles. Now, how does God comfort us? Sometimes that comfort might be that he takes the suffering away. Maybe we've been praying for something to happen, that, that this problem area in our lives will be sorted, and sometimes God answers that prayer and does that. But sometimes he leaves us with the suffering, but he still comforts us. And one of the ways in which he comforts us is by coming close to us and just letting us know that he's here, that he loves us, that he's committed to us. I think one of the ways that God comforts us is by reminding us who he is. And I think that's why verse 3 is there. Verse 3 is a wonderful verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. There are three descriptions of God there. Feel free to worship. God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus stretching out his hand and touching a leper. That's the compassion of God. Look at Jesus washing his disciples' feet. That's the servant-heartedness of God. Look at Jesus with his arms outstretched on the cross, dying for our sins. That's the love of God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He's the God. God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, isn't that great? Feel free to worship. He's also the father of compassion. Compassion, as far as I can see, is a feeling. God is not hard-hearted. He feels something when he sees me struggling, when he sees you struggling. He feels compassion. He cares. He's compassionate. Do you dare to believe that? He's the father of compassion. And he's also the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. He never runs out of comfort. When you ask for comfort, when you ask for help, he never says, well, I'm sorry, it's been a busy week. He's always got comfort for you. He always wants to help. God comforts us in all our troubles. Do you dare to believe that? The second truth about suffering. So we all suffer. God comforts us. And thirdly, two results. Two results of all this happening. Here are, here's the first result. The first result is we comfort one another. Um, look at verse 4 again. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, we've got a responsibility to comfort and support and help each other. Do we get that? Sure you do. We're called to comfort one another. So if you know, if you can think of somebody, maybe someone in Globe Church, maybe someone in another church, whatever, if you can think of someone who needs comfort, then you can do something. You can comfort them. It may just be meeting up with them for a coffee, just to show that you love them. 
It may be writing them a card, not just a text. Send them a card. Use something called the Royal Mail, and they will be really chuffed to get that card, encouraging them, comforting them. Or you can remind them in some way about who God is. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. But we are called to comfort one another. And some of, sometimes that comfort is we're going to involve reminding the person, our friend, what God is like. I remember visiting an old lady. I think she was in her 70s. I don't think I should call that old. I'm, I'm in my 70s, so I should. But this was a long time ago, so I thought she was old. And um, she'd had a tough time. Her husband had died. She wasn't in very good health. Uh, I think she was lonely. And she just, it just poured out of her all the things that were, that were going wrong. She wasn't bitter. She was just miserable. And uh, it was just, this has happened, and this has happened, and this has happened, and this has happened. And I just listened, and I was praying, how can I comfort her? How can I encourage her? And I knew her quite well. I should explain that before I go on with the story. <laughs> and after she'd finished, after she'd run out of things to say, I, I said, I, that does sound very tough. You've been through a lot. I said, I guess, I guess God must really be panicking. And she said, no, God isn't panicking. God is in control. God knew this was going to happen. God's in charge here. God's with me the whole time. He never leaves me on my own. He's looking after me. She started preaching <laughs> to herself. Just because I said something really silly and unfeeling, like God must really be panicking. I'm not suggesting you need to be going around to all your friends who need <laughs> comfort, telling them God must really be panicking. But we have a responsibility to comfort one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. Can you think of somebody who needs comfort and encouragement? Uh, and can I just say, if you're the person that needs the comfort and encouragement, it may be obvious that you need that, but it may be a hidden thing. It may be something that nobody else knows about. Do tell somebody so that they can pray for you, so they can love you, so they can comfort you. We need to open up and tell somebody. So that's the first of the two results. We comfort one another. And the second result is we don't give up. Look at verse 6. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Patient endurance. We don't give up. There are times when I give up. There are times when I felt like giving up. Uh, there was a time in my 20s when I gave up being a Christian. But the Holy Spirit had other ideas and brought me back. But actually, if we're comforted by God and by other people, we won't give up. We'll have patient endurance, verse 6. But I am naturally the kind, I'm a giver-upper. I started stamp collecting as a hobby um, as a teenager, and it lasted three days. Um, when I became a Christian, um, uh, and I told my parents, I mentioned this last night, my mother said, I'll give it three weeks, which was very generous. <laughs> but it's been longer than three weeks. Patient endurance. The fact that you're still a Christian after all these months or years, it's a miracle. You've kept going because God has looked after you, hasn't he? 
patient endurance, but I'm nat I naturally lapse into self-pity. Oh, in comparison with me, Job had it easy. <laughs> Probably not true. Patient endurance is the second result. If we're experiencing God's comfort and comfort from other people too. Those are the, that's the truth about suffering, verses 3 to 7. Come with me to the second half of the passage, please. Verses 8 to 11, the experience of suffering. The experience of suffering. There are three things again. Firstly, what suffering or how suffering feels. How suffering feels. Look at verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. That's Asia Minor, that's Turkey. Uh, he's almost certainly talking about what happened to him in Ephesus. You can read about that in Acts 19. But he doesn't go into detail here. He just says, I was having a really, really tough time. Now look what he says. Middle of verse 8, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Just look at that. I, I don't know what your view of Paul is, but I've often had the idea of the Apostle Paul. He's so strong. But here is Paul saying, I was falling apart. I mean, that's why I've called this experiencing God when it's all too much. I mean, just have a look at that in verse 8. We were under great pressure, not just under pressure. We were under great pressure. It was weighing me down. It was too much. Far beyond our ability to endure. Not just beyond our ability to endure. Far beyond it. Far beyond it. We despaired of life itself. Paul was thinking, I think I'm going to die. This is going to kill me. Maybe at times even wanted to die. Wanted to go straight to heaven. Some of us have been in that kind of experience of thinking, actually it would be better to go straight to heaven now rather than put up with this. And look at the beginning of verse 9. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. The Greek apparently says the answer of death. It's like whenever Paul asked himself the question, what's going to happen to me? The answer was, you're going to die. That's how suffering feels sometimes. Uh, if you're already going through that now, uh, then you're not the only one. This is, this is what suffering sometimes feels like. And if you're not suffering, if everything's fine at the moment... Uh, just be prepared that when tough times do come, you're able to say, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and say, well, actually, Paul went through tough times. The end of verse 8, the beginning of verse 9. That was how suffering feels. Secondly, why suffering comes. Why suffering comes. Second half of verse 9 and verse 10. Uh, look at verse 10, first of all. God has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. It looks like in this situation, Paul was delivered from his suffering. Whatever the problem was, Paul was delivered. Paul was set free. He didn't die. He carried on living. That doesn't always happen. I need to say again, God doesn't guarantee that, that he'll take the, the reason for the suffering away. Miracles on demand are not a teaching of the Bible. We can ask, but it's God who decides. 
what he does. But look at the end of verse 9 and look and see why suffering comes in the life of a Christian. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Oh, wow, I need to read that every day, probably every hour of every day, because we naturally rely on ourselves, don't we? I think we're brought up to do that. Pull yourself together, you can do it. And we rely on our experience or our relationships or our gifts. And God is saying, don't rely on those things, rely on me. And God brings us to an end of ourselves where we just can't cope deliberately so that there's only one person we can rely on, and that's God. This happens so that we wouldn't rely on ourselves, but on God. And do you see how Paul describes God? End of verse, uh, beginning of, no, 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 end of verse 9. He is God who raises the dead. Wow. Now, Paul could have written, we should rely on God who raised the dead. Talking about Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead. That's true. It would be absolutely true if Paul had written, we should rely on God who raised the dead. That's true. But Paul doesn't write that. He says, we should rely on God who raises the dead. In other words, he still has that power. He can still work in my situation. He may take the suffering away. He may not, but he's there. He's as powerful as ever, and he can come and comfort me and strengthen me and encourage me. He is the God who raises the dead. I want to say that that S at the end of raises, this is a stupid thing to say, but don't write it down, is the most important S in the New Testament. Because he's still like that. He's got that kind of power and he's committed to you. Listen to that. He's got that kind of power and he's committed to you. Sometimes you might feel like death warmed up. But God is the God who raises the dead. I was talking to a student in Austria um, and he was really struggling and had a tough time. For all sorts of reasons, I don't, under, I don't even remember the details now, but it's a long time ago. And we looked at this passage together. And he was blown away by this description that God is the God who raises the dead. And blown away by that letter S at the end. That God is still that God who has the power to raise the dead. That kind of power. And I, I'm not an artist, but I drew this for him and I said why don't you take this home and blue tack it to one of the cupboards in your kitchen no one else will know what the significance of this is but every time you see it you will remember God is the God who raises the dead and he did it and he found it helpful Maybe you even want to do that. I'll even donate this to one of you if you like. (laughs) I don't want it. Do you see who God is? He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. And he's the God who raises the dead. 
great to be a Christian? Experiencing God when it's all too much. Sometimes it feels like it is too much and we need, we need God. We need to experience God where we can cry out to him because he's this kind of God. Feel free to lift your heart in worship. So, um, how suffering feels. Why suffering comes, so that we rely on God who raises the dead. And thirdly, two results. And the two results are in verse 11. As you help us by, our pr- by your prayers, that's the first result, people will pray. Uh, but of course we need to tell people that we need prayer. We need to ask a friend. You may even sometimes, occasionally it happens to me, that someone in church comes up to me and says, um, I know that you pray, Andrew. I don't want to, t- I don't want to tell you what, the, what my problem is, but would you pray for me in the, next, in the next week? And I say, that's fine. I don't need to know what your problem is because I know somebody else who does know what your problem is. So you may not even want to tell someone what you're struggling with, but tell, to ask them to pray. One of the results. And the second result is thanksgiving as God answers the prayer. Then many will give thanks, verse 11, on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. We'll thank God for his help. Thank God maybe he took the suffering away, the reason for suffering away, or maybe he just allowed that person to experience God's presence. But there'll be thanksgiving. Because God cares. If we want to experience God when we feel it's all too much, here are three things. Three things to finish with. Firstly, I've said this already, but tell, tell someone what you're struggling with. Don't just bottle it up and leave it. Don't think, I can't tell, share this with somebody. They'll be so shocked. Tell someone what your struggles are. Secondly, let's comfort one another. Let's pray for one another and let's do things. Let's write that card or let's go out for coffee with that person. Take the initiative. Is the Holy Spirit bringing somebody into your mind, reminding you of somebody who needs comfort? And he's saying to you, do something. You can do something. And thirdly, if we want to experience God when we think everything's all too much, let's remember who God is. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. And he's the God who raises the dead. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Please turn to your neighbour. Oh, no, no, don't do that. I'm going to ask you not to turn to your neighbour. First thing I want you to do, just let's all sit quietly for just a minute. Have a look at the passage. Have it open in front of you, One Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1. Just think, what struck you most from this passage? What has the Holy Spirit particularly pointed out to you, reminded you of? 
What's the most important thing for you? It may be one of those descriptions of God in verse 3 or verse 9. But it may be something about comforting others. It may be something about praying for others. It may be about asking someone for prayer. Just spend a minute thinking. Maybe you'll find yourself praying as well. Thank you. And now, please, will you turn to the person next to you and tell them what you chose and why? Um, don't move chairs, but uh, try and do it in pairs. There might be some threes, but let's not have more than three in a group, please. But just share with somebody what you chose and why. This involves speaking. Great, thank you. Thank you. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much 
for your great love to us in Jesus. How extraordinary that you should love sinners. We worship you. Thank you that you are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are the Father of compassion. Thank you that you're the God of all comfort. And thank you that you're the God who raises the dead. Father, we pray for those amongst us today who are feeling it's all too much. Please show your compassion to these brothers and sisters. Let them experience your nearness and your help. Let them experience your comfort from your spirit, from your word, and from your church. And help us to keep following Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a couple of songs in response. Um, so feel free to stand or to sit and pray um, and use this time. <laughs>